Well, hello, everybody. So glad you've joined us here today. And welcome, everybody, on social media. Glad to have you. Hey, uh, we've been conducting a series on uh, on the Holy Spirit, and we'll be concluding that today. And um, uh, so I want to uh, talk about the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. You know, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should, I believe it's the first verse, says that we should desire spiritual gifts desire we as christians should desire spiritual gifts but uh, in order to desire them you have to know what they are and uh, uh and so when there's when there's little to no teaching on spiritual gifts then christians don't even know what they are and uh as a result they won't have a desire for them and so I want to teach this today. I could spend weeks just on this subject right here, but I just want to give you a little bit here on the gifts of the Spirit uh, and, and, and talk about them so that it'll create, hopefully, a desire within you to have them operating in your life. So with that said, look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Now, I will say this, that church in Corinth, they had... The spiritual gifts going on there, particularly tongues, speaking in tongues. They had, they had these spiritual gifts and particularly speaking in tongues going on in that church to the point that it became pandemonious. You know what I mean by that? Out of control. And Paul had to write to them and teach them about spiritual gifts and particularly about tongues and interpretation, uh, to, to bring them, uh, from, from, uh, uh, uh uh, from, I mean, it was pandemonious in that church, uh, you know, to the, to the middle of the road, if you will, uh, uh, because they'd gotten in the ditch on, you know, they'd come to church and everybody's speaking in tongues all the time. And he, he wrote to them to, to get them straightened out on that, how, how the speaking in tongues and whatnot supposed to operate. So I'm going to close the message with, with that. Uh, but before I get to that, I just want to say a few things about the other spiritual gifts also. But notice here, um, but, but that in Corinth that was going on. It was, they had spiritual gifts and, uh, particularly tongues was, it was just pandemonious. And so, uh, uh, very, very, an atmosphere of confusion almost. Um, and, and so that's why he wrote, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 primarily and 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to study these gifts further, read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Particularly chapter 14, it will really help you with uh, the subject of tongues and whatnot. But most people, most Christians, really don't have much clue about the spiritual gifts. And uh, if you don't know about them, then you're not going to desire them. And if you don't desire them, they're not going to operate in your life. Now here he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So uh, ignorant means just unlearned. And again, so many Christians are unlearned concerning the spiritual gifts. And, and I tell you what, you need these spiritual gifts operating in your life. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant of them. So look at verse 4. He says, there's diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There's diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And by the way, this is a very practical message here today. You need these gifts operating in your everyday life, okay? So, so, so hang on every word and listen carefully. Notice verse seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit manifests, how does He do it? That's what we're going to be looking at. There's nine ways that when He manifests, uh, there's nine ways that He does it. But notice here, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Now notice this, for the profit of all. To each one for the profit of all. So each one of us should have these spiritual gifts operating in our lives at, at times. Maybe not every day, maybe not every week, but as we'll see as the Spirit of God wills. And, uh, but, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And now he's going to list the gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Nine of them listed there. 
We'll come back in a few moments and say a few things about each one. But notice verse 11. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one. Notice, not just to the pastor. Not just to the pastor. Or not just to the minister. But to each one individually, notice, as he wills. These gifts operate as the Holy Spirit wills. We can't make them operate. And that's where a lot of Christians get into trouble a lot of times. Those who do understand some things about the gifts of the Spirit, they, they try to make them operate. You can't make these gifts operate. They operate as the Holy Spirit wills. Now, you can put yourself in a position through study and prayer and dedication to the Lord where these gifts would be more prone to operate in your life. But with that being said, he doesn't just want the pastor flowing in these. He wants these gifts to flow in, in you and in, in your everyday life. You, you need to understand that. Now, notice uh, uh, again, verse seven said the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one. For the profit of all. Now, let me just read from my notes here. A sad commentary. A sad commentary. My observation, it's kind of going to reiterate what I've already said, but my observation over the past 35 years is that most Christians never have these gifts working in their lives ever. I've been doing this a long time pastoring here 27 years and then involved with ministry in another church and other churches, quite a few, quite a number of them. Over 35 years, uh, most Christians, uh, I've observed, never have any of these gifts operating in their lives ever. One reason is a lot of times they just don't get taught on. And uh, that's why I'm teaching on it here today. But even... Even, you know, I, I've taught on these over 27 years from time to time, and I still noticed the bulk of the people that have been uh, uh, members here over the many years never have, never do have any of these gifts operating in their lives. You've got to desire them. You've got to desire them. You've got to learn some things about them and desire them, or they won't operate in your life. And as I've already said, these sad commentary, usually these gifts are confined to the pastor. And, and many pastors, as I've observed, don't even have them operating uh, in, in, their, in, their, in, their, in their ministry and in their life. It's sad to say. I know one day I got up here and I listed, I talked for almost 45 minutes and listed all the healings and miracles the Lord has done in this church over the last many years. And one brother came to me and he said after the service, he said, you know what? He said, you talk for 45 minutes about all the things the Lord's done, miraculous healings and, and things right here in this, in this building over the last, you know, 20 plus years. He said, he said, said some churches don't ever have one. And it's the truth. Some churches don't ever have one. Some churches would be thrilled if they just had one. Well, see, these things ought to be operating I think on a regular basis, but it is as the Spirit wills. But that's a sad commentary, isn't it? And you know what the saddest commentary of all this is? Is that my observation over the past 35 years is that not only are these gifts typically confined to, well, they're only going to operate in the pastor, but then on top of that, they're confined to the four walls of the church. And you really only see them in operation on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. And that's really sad. These gifts should not just be confined to the inside the four walls of the church. Now, they should operate inside the four walls of the church. Absolutely. And they have for 27 years here. I mean, they have. But, 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 but did you ever think on the day of Pentecost? Remember they were in the upper room? Remember that? How many of you remember that? They were in the upper room, 120 people. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues, but guess what? It didn't stay in the upper room. It went out onto the streets, didn't it? Didn't they go out onto the streets? And they were speaking in tongues out there, weren't they? But so many churches have become like upper rooms, and the only time you have the gifts operating are inside the church on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Now, that's a sad commentary because we see the, 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 the early church, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with tongues, 
in the upper room. It was happening there. It should happen inside the church, four walls of the church. But then it should also go out onto the streets, you see, so that it's a profit not just to us, but a profit to everyone else, you see. And that is a sad commentary. And by the way, when you start talking on these gifts, I like to say this, uh, because when you start talking about these gifts, a, a, a lot of times, sad to say, and, and, and Christians, I've been doing this a long time, uh, uh, Christians do a lot of times when they do understand some things about these spiritual gifts and they learn some things about them, a lot of times Christians start acting weird. And if you would have went to the church in Corinth, you would have went in there and thought they were weird because they were speaking in tongues all the time. The Holy Spirit is not weird. You need to understand that he is not weird, but often spirit-filled Christians unfortunately act weird when they respond to the Holy Spirit and they should not. Because when people act weird, when they respond to the Holy Spirit, people act weird, then they, people get to thinking that the Holy Spirit is weird and he's not weird. You need to understand that. But you see, if we learn some things about these gifts and how they operate, and we'd flow in line with him and, and uh, 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 do what he says do and, and flow with the Spirit of God in these gifts... People wouldn't think we're weird. You know, on the day of Pentecost, as I just said, they began speaking in tongues in the upper room and then it went out onto the streets. And uh, you need to realize that the, 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 the bulk of the crowd that saw those 120 speaking in tongues, the bulk of the crowd did not think they were drunk. If you read it carefully, there were only there were there were some mockers that said these are drunk. But the bulk of the crowd didn't think that. The bulk of the crowd were moved by the speaking in tongues. You need to realize that because they heard the disciples speaking in their own languages the wonderful works of God. And, and, and the Holy Spirit moved in such a way that about 3,000 people eventually got saved. So the bulk of that crowd didn't think that the disciples were drunk. There were just some mockers that thought they were drunk. And Peter responded to those mockers saying, these are not drunken as you suppose. But what has happened is we read that with a quick reading and we think that I've been doing this a long time. And, and, and in charismatic Pentecostal churches, they read that and they hear ministers talk about how, well, they were drunk on the day of Pentecost. And then the next thing you know, you get church full, a church full of people all coming and acting like they're drunk thinking they're responding to the Holy Spirit, and then people think the Holy Spirit is weird because people are acting like they're drunk. By the way, drunkenness is condemned in Scripture. Did you know that? Yes. I don't think we ought to be acting like a drunk person because drunken, drunken people, drunk, that's condemned in Scripture. Do you need to understand that? But in Pentecostal circles... I don't know if it's going on now, but I know for many years you go to a Pentecostal or I can speak about a charismatic church. And a lot of times you'd go in there and people rolling on the floor, running around the room, shaking and going on. Now, I'm not saying the spirit of God. I've had him come on me and shake me sometimes. I've had him come on me and I've cried. I've laughed. I've danced under the power of God. There's a truth in all of that. But but we shouldn't liken what the Holy Spirit is doing to, to drunkenness. You need to realize that. Some years ago, I'm a little ahead of myself, but some years ago, I, I, I could see our church was getting out of hand and, and along these lines and people wanted to come and they wanted to shake and shimmy and, 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 and now one time a guy got, they wanted to run around a room. Now, one time a guy got healed, a couple of times a guy, two different guys got healed in this, right in here. One guy, he broke his heel on a motorcycle accident and his heel got healed right, that's pretty neat. His heel got healed right in the middle of a service and he started running around the room. He was so excited. Now, I'm all for that. Can you say amen? And another guy got healed of something else right during well, while, I, while I was up teaching. He stood, ran around the room. Praise God. That's good. One night the power of God came on me. 
uh, on a Wednesday night. And, and I ran around a room. And uh, felt like a fool, but uh, long story short, the next day a lady called in and said, when I ran past her, she said, heat jumped off me on her. And I can't heal anybody, but heat jumped off me on her. Her belly had been blowed up for quite some time like a basketball. She couldn't eat. She said, when I ran past her, the, 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 she said, heat. She testified to my assistant. Heat jumped off him on me, hit me in the stomach and deflated that, like deflated my stomach. I was instantly healed. Can you say amen? Isn't that wonderful? That's exciting. Now, we ought to be running around on that. But just running to be running, acting like a bunch of drunken fools. See, that's not just 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 to say we're yielding to the Holy Ghost. That's not in line with the scripture, you see. And then people come and they act like that. And 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 folks think, you know, we're crazy, nuts and all of that. So what I did years ago is I I put, I got up and I said, look, I, and you, you can read it sometime. I told the folks, I said, you know, in First Corinthians 14, verses 23 to 25, I said, you can read that sometime. And, and the Bible says, and it's talking about tongues here in in first in corinthians fourteen twenty three to twenty five but but I believe it could also apply to any of the spiritual gifts, but what the Bible brings out is that uh when 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 the when tongues but but I think any of the spiritual gifts are an operation an unbeliever that's visiting or a believer that's visiting the service you know that they may not understand anything about the uh uh, uh spiritual gifts. When, when they're visiting, they, if, the, if the Holy Ghost is really in operation, now listen carefully, if the Holy Ghost is really in operation, if He really is, and we're yielding to Him as we should, and we have visitors come, you know, or, or, that, 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 that are unbelievers, or, or they come and they don't understand anything about tongues or, or, or these other gifts, if the Holy Ghost is really moving among us, and you can read this in 1 Corinthians 14, 23 to 25. If the Holy Ghost is really moving among us, those visitors who don't know hardly anything, they should not think we're crazy, but rather they should say God is truly moving among them. And unfortunately, I haven't seen that a great deal over the years. But rather I've seen where people have come to, you know, a charismatic service and, and they think, you know, they hear speaking in tongues and they see these different things and they, they think, well, those people are nuts or weird. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then they, and then they lay it off on the Holy Ghost and think he's weird, but he's not. Just you got people yielding to him and they're, they're acting weird and they're, they're really not yielding to him. They're just most time yielding to their flesh. Did you get what I just said? Now, years ago, I saw our church had gotten out of control in this area, and I got up and I and I began to teach on when the Holy Ghost is moving, you know, uh, and people come in, they shouldn't think we're weird, but they should say God's moving among us. And so I tried to, to uh, yeah, I tried to to rein this in, like Paul was reigning in the Corinthian church, and I tried to rein some people in and say, you know, just don't come to church and just sit there and start like cackling, laughing like a like somebody that's crazy or running around a room just to be running around a room or shaking just to be shaken. And, and I, I said, we're going to move this church more in line with the with with the scripture. And you know what? I had a bunch of people leave on that one. And they essentially said, we don't care what the word of God says. We've always come to church and run around a room and cackled and this and that and the other. Hooted and hollered and, you know, did that kind of stuff. And, and, and we don't care what the Word of God says, Pastor Terry. We want to come and, you know, just act crazy, essentially. And they left. Bye. I want what the Holy Ghost wants. I don't want to come and just have a bunch of hilarity, do you? I tell you what, you know, but you need to realize... Uh, and somebody asked me, they said, well, should you have done that? You lost a lot of people over that. I'm glad I did it. I moved in line with what the Bible said do. I don't want to just, I am, I got so tired of watching Christians who should have been spiritually mature, but they were still on a baby spiritual level coming to church and playing with these spiritual gifts thinking that they're really moving with the Holy Spirit and they were acting weird and then we'd have visitors come and they then they wouldn't come back because, you know, because they weren't saying God is truly among these people. They were saying these people are nuts and I tried to rein that in. But you know there's some people would rather hold on to their tradition than hold on to the Word of God. Did you know that? Yes. I said, did you know that? Yes. 
Anyway, let's talk about these gifts. You've got the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom and discerning of spirits. Those are the revelation gifts. The word of knowledge is supernaturally knowing that which pertains to past or present things. Now that would be helpful in your everyday life. If the Spirit of God revealed something to you that pertained to past or present. The word of wisdom. Now this one really is. This one. All these gifts are good. You say which is the best one. Whichever one you need at the time. And the word of wisdom has to do with supernaturally knowing what pertains to a future event. Excuse me, I've been able to help a lot of people over the years when the Spirit of God go into operation. I'd have a word of wisdom and give them, give them a word of wisdom. And, and, and it had to do with something that future was coming up in their life. And again and again, um, over, the, over the many years. Now, we've had words of knowledge, too, where I've, where I've been able, by the Spirit of God, tell somebody something's going on in their life and encourage them as a result, you know. But, but this word of wisdom, you share, I've been able to share with people over the years, as the Spirit wills, to get them ready for a future event. Sometimes they could maneuver around the thing. Sometimes they had to go through it. But, it, but that word it prepared them and got them ready. Can you say amen? Absolutely. And then there's the discerning of spirits, you know. And I've had that operate a few times uh, over the years. Uh, I guess the most outstanding one was that time that girl got healed of anorexia nervosa. Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. That, 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 that lying spirit, we're, we, we were able to get her delivered, delivered from that. Amen. I wouldn't have known that it was a lying spirit except that the discerning of spirits went in operation. It's knowing by the Spirit of God if there's... Now, now, the discerning of spirits doesn't just have to do with the demonic realm. You know, angels are spirits, you know. And, and God is a spirit, you know. Human beings are spirits, you know. One time I had the discerning of spirits go into operation when Diane and I were meeting with a certain person we were going to do business with. And I was sitting there and I knew by the spirit what was going on in his spirit. He was crooked. And the spirit of God revealed that to me. And uh, I wasn't going to do business with him. Uh, but, but by the time we got out to his secretary's office, uh, uh, he revealed that he was a crook and was going to try to take us for a lot of money. And, and we didn't do business with him, you see. See, these gifts, are, they're here to operate not just in church, but in our everyday lives. You understand that? So I knew by the Spirit he was crooked, you know. I, I've also had, had it on the other side where I knew by the Spirit somebody was honest and I, and I should do business with him, you know. Discerning of spirits. And then there is the demonic side of it. And that girl we got delivered of anorexia nervosa. I, the power of God helped her, you know. And then I, at one day, <laughs> at one day this lady came into prayer line and she had a demon, she had a demon in her. Wasn't a church member, she was a visitor. Never have seen her before or since, but she came in the line. And I knew by the Spirit of God that there was a demon present. And I laid hands on her and I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I said, come out. And uh, I tell you what, my one usher, he, he said, he told me later, he said the hair was standing up on the back of his neck. And I didn't tell him, but the hair was standing up on the back of my neck too. And I laid hands on her, no more than I did the power of God hit her. I can't deliver anybody, but the power of God hit her and she fell on the floor like a sack of salt. When she did, I saw in the spirit realm, I saw what looked like a bird. It looked like a bat fly out that way. Now, I know you start talking about these things and you're going to turn, turn people off, but it's the truth of the matter. I saw it in the spirit. And it, I didn't say anything to anybody, but I tell you what, she got up delivered. Can you say amen to that? And then I'm standing at the door greeting people afterwards and I had a, 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 she was a teacher at Eureka High School, very sound woman, came up to me. She was a church member. And uh, now this person I ministered to was, was not. But this sound high school math teacher came up to me and she was a church member back in that time and she said, Pastor Terry, and she was kind of, kind of, you know, kind of unhinged. And, 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 and she said, you know what I mean, unhinged, like, like kind of shaking. She said, can I tell you uh, something? And I said, sure. She said, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But she said, when you laid hands on that, on that woman, see, I knew that it was a demon there by the discerning of spirit. She said, when that, when, when you did, she said, I saw, now she said, I saw two black birds like bats fly out that way. <laughs> well, it made me feel better that I know I wasn't crazy, you know. But see, she saw it in the spirit. So did I. Uh, these things are real, dear friends. I said they're real. 
Now, in, in all these years, I've only dealt with the demonic powers just, just, just a few times like this. You need to realize that. But they're real nonetheless. Thank God for the, the, for the discerning of spirits, you know. And this woman got healed. And it made me feel better that this, this other lady saw the same thing I saw because I, I knew I wasn't batty, so to speak. You know what I mean? So there's the revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning spirit. There's the power gifts, special faith. And, and, and that's different from what we call just general faith because you need this special gift of the spirit of faith to go into operation to see gifts of healings and the working of miracles in operation. And we've seen a lot of healing miracles here over the last years and, and, and other miracles. And so I could talk for hours on these power gifts. Thank God for... The power of the Spirit of God. And then, what I want to get to so uh, I can cl close this series and get on to the next thing the Lord has told me to t teach on, is the utterance gifts. The utterance gifts. Um, uh, notice in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, uh, it, it says, He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Okay, because these utterance gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, okay? So let me read these verses and then I'll say some things. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So that ought to tell you what the simple gift of prophecy is. Now this gift of prophecy, it's not the, it's not the, the, the prophetic that a, a prophet would flow in. Now a prophet can flow in this, certainly and does flow in this gift. But, but when you start talking about the prophet's ministry, now you're talking about a whole other thing. And I'm not going to get into that here today. Okay, that's a whole other subject for a whole other time. But this is talking about a simple gift of prophecy that any Christian, spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost Christian, could have operating in their life as the Spirit wills. And it brings edification and exhortation and comfort to people. That's what it's there for. Not to bring direction or correction or anything like that, but edification, exhortation, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies... Now watch this. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. All right? I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now Paul said that. He said, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, what did he just tell us? That if you have tongues and interpretation together, that equals prophecy. It's like if you have a nickel plus a nickel, you have a what? A dime, right? So to speak. So tongues plus interpretation is equal to prophecy. Now, what is prophecy? It's the Holy Spirit speaking through someone that's yielding to him in, an, in, in, in a known language. And what does it do? It brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. You need to realize that. I've already heard people, they've stood up over the years and they'll begin to give a so-called prophecy and they'll, they'll try to correct uh, the one guy. He tried to correct my teaching by thinking he was flowing with this. How many of you know that's not the Holy Spirit? Because it's supposed to bring what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. If my teaching needs to be corrected, there's other avenues the Holy Spirit would use for that, not a church member standing up and prophesying. You understand that? Did you understand that? Okay. And, and I've seen such abuses of this. I mean, there's a story told that one person would come to church and they'd, they'd prophesy every Sunday and it was just so out of line with what the Spirit of God was doing and it was grieving. Did you know that when the Spirit of God is not uh, 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 unctioning uh, a, a prophecy, did you know you can tell, if, if you're, even if you're born again, but certainly if you're Spirit-filled, you can tell right on the inside that that's not by the Spirit of God because there'll be an uh on the inside. Have you ever been in a service where that's happened? You know, but this one person, they'd come. Now, this didn't happen in this church, but the story is told how they sat on the one side of the church and they'd give a prophecy every Sunday, you know, and it was just grieving the whole congregation because it wasn't wasn't right. And the pastor should have done something about it, you know, talk to the person privately. I've had to talk to some people over the years privately, you know, 
but uh, kind of rein him in a little bit. And uh, but uh, finally, this guy, uh, this guy on the one side, he kept giving prophecies every Sunday, every Sunday. And the one guy on the other side got so tired of it that after this person over here that given this prophecies every Sunday, you know, he's thus saith the Lord, yea, this, that, and the other. That finally, the one the guy got so tired of it over here. This church member over here stood up and said, yea, thus saith the Lord, I did not say what he just said. <laughs> You understand. Well, I'm hungry for what the Holy Spirit is in, not what flesh wants to do. Anyway, tongues. Now, tongues. See, now, tongues is a message from the Holy Spirit in a language not known by the hearer. That's why you need interpretation. Now, interpretation is not translation. Interpretation is giving forth in a known language that which was spoken in tongues. You understand that? So tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. I was ministered to so greatly when I was a kid. I went into a church when I was about 20 years old and, and uh, the, the minister there. Now, actually, he was a New Testament prophet. He called me out of the crowd and, 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 and shared some things through this gift of prophecy. And uh, it, it really, it really uh, helped me. Talk to me about the calling of God and some things along those lines. It's interesting, about a year later, I was in another church, totally separated and removed. They, 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 they Totally whole different situation. And, and the pastor called me to come up and he spoke. And I didn't know anything about tongues. and I knew nothing about that. I knew nothing. And he began to speak in another language. I didn't know what's going on here. I thought, you know, what is going on? And then he called his wife and he said, now interpret that. And I didn't know anything. And she began to interpret what the Spirit of God was saying to me. And I tell you what, it still, it still moves me today. I tell you what, it was almost word for word what the Holy Ghost had told me a year earlier. Almost word for word about the calling of God and so forth. I mean, it's it just it's incredible. And then uh, about a year after that, I was in Rolla. And, uh, and I was at a, 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 one of those full gospel businessmen meetings and, and the guy that was directing it after the, after at, at the ministry or whatever was over, he, he asked my pastor, he said, could I share a word with your young assistant? And, 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 and yeah, and he, he began and through prophecy said, said exactly what those other two prophecy and tongues interpretation had, had, had told me, uh, the year and the, the two years before. My gosh, these things are real. Now, you know, that's the last time the Spirit of God ever spoke to me that way. I was a spiritual baby and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't lead like that. He led me back there then because I was a spiritual baby and I didn't know nothing. But after after that, then I had to learn some things about the word of God. And he's never led me that way or said anything to me that way ever since, because he leads me through his holy written word and peace versus no peace on the inside. Can you say amen to that? But thank God for these spiritual gifts. It got me, it got me directed the way I was supposed to go concerning, uh, concerning the call of God, you know, and walking ministry out. Now, uh, let me just say this about tongues and the time I have left. You need to realize that they have not ceased. Okay. And, you know, first of all, tongues is a gift to the church. So the church age is still going on. So it's a gift to the church. So why would that cease? Also, tongues are distinctive to this dispensation. You know you don't see tongues with interpretation in the Old Testament. You don't see it there. You don't see it in the ministry of Jesus. It came with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's distinctive. And so people sometimes say, why do we seem to have more tongues with interpretation than we do these other gifts? Because you see these other gifts in the Old Testament. You see them in the ministry of Jesus. But you see them more so in these last 2,000 years because they're distinctive to this dispensation, you see. And, uh, and, 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 uh, I, for the sake of time, time's slipping away from me, but you could read 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 8th through the 12th verse, because it's in those verses that he talks, uh, well, let's just go to it. I mean, you don't have anywhere else to go. Let's just do this. And if you're watching on social media, you, you got to go do something. Just turn me off and come back and turn me on later and finish it up. But let's, let's talk about this. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they'll fail. Whether they're, see, prophet, that's taught, see, that's in conjunction, this is in 1 Corinthians 13, but this is in conjunction with, in context with 1 Corinthians 12. 
And this is not talking about uh, uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament failing or, or anything like that. It's talking about this. There's going to come a time when, the, when these spiritual gifts will be done away with. And the, the, the simple gift of prophecy will be done away with. And whether there are tongues, they will cease. There's going to come a time when they'll cease, but they haven't yet. And, uh, and where there's knowledge, it'll vanish away. Well, it's not talking about knowledge, general knowledge. It's talking about this word of knowledge, see? There's going to come a time when these gifts are going to cease. When is that? Verse 10 says, when that which is perfect has come. Well, that's when Jesus comes back. He hasn't come back yet. And then he goes on and says some things. And then in verse 12, he says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face. See, when we see Jesus face to face, then there'll be no more need for these spiritual gifts. But until then, we need them. And then it's interesting, people that want to argue about tongues haven't ceased. This is in 1 Corinthians 13. But if you keep on reading in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, he says, he says to them, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. And then in, in verse 39, he says, don't forbid to speak with tongues. So dear friends, tongues are still for today. You need to realize that. Now, you also need to realize there's a public side to tongues and there's a private side to it. There's a public side and a private side. Notice, if you would, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go there. Notice this. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And one reason there's been so much confusion with tongues is because there's a public side and a private side, and there's rules that apply to both sides. And when you put the public side rules on the private side and vice versa, you've got a mess. And that's why Christians don't understand a lot of times. So in the time I have left, let me try to clear it up as best I can for you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church. Notice he's talking about in the church, a public setting. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administration. Notice varieties of tongues. Now, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Where? In a public church setting. This is talking about giving out a public message in tongues. Do all interpret Publicly, no, not everybody's used in this capacity. But see, people will come in there and they'll say, well, do all speak with tongues? No. And then they'll say, well, tongues has passed away. It's not for today. That's you got to keep it in context when you study the Bible. This is talking about a public message in a church, local church setting publicly. Not everybody is going to be used to give a message in tongues and not everybody is going to be used to interpret. You need to realize that. That's what that's talking about. But unfortunately, these scriptures have been used to say that tongues are not for today or that not everybody should be t speaking in tongues, only a few people. But publicly, no, not everybody is going to give a message in tongues and not everybody is going to interpret. OK, you need to realize that. Now, you also need to realize whenever there is a public utterance in tongues, there must be an interpretation. You need to realize that. The only time there need not be an interpretation is if tongues are being used as a sign. Like on the day of Pentecost, remember they went out on the streets and they spoke it, they, they, they spoke in tongues and, and, and it was being used as a sign. Remember that? And all the people that were there heard the disciples speaking in their own languages, the wonderful works of God. There need be no interpretation then. It was being used as a sign. And a lot of people, unbelievers, got saved. Isn't that right? But but other than that, other than that, notice here in 1 Corinthians 14, 27, says this, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it needs to be at least, uh, uh, there need be, uh, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. So if, you, if there is a public message in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation. You need to realize that. And, and, and then he tells us something else, that in, like in a church service, there shouldn't be more than two or three of them. That's just, that's what the Bible says. And I've already been in churches over the years. I went to one church, I was a guest minister in the church, so I did. See, if I'm in spiritual authority like in here, and, and there were some messages in tongues, if I felt it was right, yeah, you let it go. But once you get past three, then you need to stop. You need, and and as, as a pastor, I'd have to lovingly, without embarrassing people, direct the service another way. 
because you get out of line with the Holy Ghost. But I was in one church as a guest minister, and uh, so I didn't have any spiritual authority there, you know. And, uh, uh, and, and the pastor didn't do anything about it, but they had, I think, like seven tongues and interpretations, one right after another. And the first one, actually, interesting thing, the first one was, I felt it was right. It was for that church. The second one felt it was right. Actually, it was, it was, I gleaned something from it. But then after that, it just went, it got over in the flesh and the Spirit of God wasn't in it. I want what the Spirit of God wants. How about you? So there needs to be an interpreter. Now watch this. If anyone, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be by two or at most three. Each in turn, let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, see, if there's no interpreter, then let him keep silent where? In the church. So it would not be scriptural to give out a message in tongues right here and there be no interpretation. And if there's no interpreter, it says, let him speak to himself and to God. Are you okay? Yes. Now, let's uh, close this up now. Let's just close this up with talking about the private side of tongues. So I'm going to, there's a few scriptures here I'm going to just skip over because of the sake of time. And it's fine. We can, I don't need to get those in. This other stuff we need to get to and then, then we'll dismiss. You know, every... Christian, did you know every Christian ought to be baptized with the Holy Ghost? Did you know that? You know it's not okay. It's not okay for, well, we got, now listen, it's not okay. Well, the Baptists don't believe in it, so they don't, they don't, they don't have the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They don't speak in tongues, and the Lutherans don't, and the Methodists don't, but the Charismatics do. Did you know all that? And I'm not putting anybody down, but did you know that's not okay? This Bible here, you read the New Testament, this Bible presupposes and, 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 there's no way to get around it. As you read the Bible, it, it's, it's, it's assuming, presuming, presupposing that Christians get born, that sinners get born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Now, you don't need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. You need to be born of the Spirit to go to heaven. But the Bible assumes very clearly that people should be, Christians should be not sinners. Let's be technical. Sinners get saved and they become Christians. But Christians then should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You don't need that baptism to go to heaven, but the Bible just assumes that you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's why Baptists, a lot of times, they're, they're going to shy away from 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. I know I came out of the Baptist church. I'm all for the Baptists. I love them. But what I'm saying is, if, you're, if you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've got to stay out of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. You've got to just stay out of it. But I'm not staying out of it. That's why I, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I had to leave the Baptist church. Now, I love the Baptists. I'm all for the Baptists, and they're saved people. But I, something was missing over there. I knew it was. What was it? It was a baptism with the Spirit. And so I, I got baptized with the Holy Ghost. But you need to realize it's not okay to not have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. It's just not okay. You all right with that? Now, they're saved people. They're going to heaven, all right. But they're missing out on what, you know, so much of the church misses out on what the Holy Ghost wants. But you see, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you get, you, you get a private prayer language between you and God. And notice 1 Corinthians 14, 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Now this is a private side. We'll close with this. This is a private side. See, when you're speaking in tongues, when, you when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, see, when you get born again, you don't, you're not going to speak with tongues. But you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you'll speak with tongues. And there's a public side to it, and not everybody's used giving public messages. But there's a private side to it where everybody, every Christian baptized with the Holy Ghost ought to be speaking in tongues regularly every day. And he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. In the spirit he speaks mysteries. See, this is, this is one reason the devil fights tongues so hard. Because you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you open up vistas of things in prayer that you didn't have available to you before. 
You need to realize that. Well, I tell you what, without the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you go to prayer, you go to prayer half-armed. I'm sorry, uh, uh, prayer is war, is war, prayer, if you really understand prayer, there's a warrior side to it. There really is. If you really understand prayer, there, 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 there's, there's more to it than just God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. Over lips, over the gums, look out, tummy, here it comes. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, I, those are all good, but there's more to it than that. And if you don't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's like going to war with just, just with, with being half armed or, or fourth armed, you know. You need the baptism in the Holy Ghost because you need that prayer language, you see. And you're speaking out and praying mysteries between you and God as it pertains to you and yours. Can you say amen? And, uh, and then on top of that, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. See, one reason Christians are so uh, uh, beat down spiritually a lot of times is they're not praying in tongues. It's like, you study into it, it's like charging a battery. You can see that, don't turn there, sake of time, but Jude, the 20th chapter, will tell you that. It says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. It's like charging a battery. If you feel spiritually drained, I'll tell you what you need to do. Just like, what would you do with your car if the battery died? Well, you'd probably go get a new one, but you could put it on a charger, right, and charge it up, right? Well, this is what, uh, that's what this is talking about here. If you feel drained spiritually, start praying in, in the Spirit. It'll, it'll charge you up. You could read in Isaiah 28, don't turn there for the sake of time, but verses 11 and 12 talks about how speaking in tongues brings refreshing to you. And actually, 1 Corinthians 14.21 is calling your direction and telling you to go over to Isaiah 28 and, and read that because 1 Corinthians 14.21 is quoting from Isaiah 28 that tells you speaking in tongues will bring a refreshing to you. How many of you like refreshing? Look at 1 Corinthians 14.14. 14. Paul said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is, is unfruitful. So when you're praying in tongues, you're not going to understand what you're saying, but that's perfectly fine. I said it's perfectly fine because you're speaking mysteries to God. And he said right here, my understanding is unfruitful. My spirit prays. He said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. But what are you doing? You're charging yourself up. You're building yourself up spiritually. You're, you're getting refreshed. And you're speaking out, praying out divine mysteries uh, to, to God. You're giving God avenues to move in your life and in the lives of others that he wouldn't otherwise have if you didn't pray in tongues. You need to realize that. He went on to say here, he says, what's the conclusion? I'll pray with the spirit. I'll pray with the understanding. You know, you ought to pray in your understanding. You also ought to pray in tongues. You, you, you need to realize that. I know, I know in going to many prayer meetings over the years, a lot of times people sit down, they'll just start speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. No, I, I, I've learned this. I use this as a general rule of thumb. Whenever there's a matter, I pray in English as far as I can on the matter. And I pray it out. I find scriptures that pertain to my situation. I pray in, in, in English as far as I can. And sometimes that gets the job done. But, but when I've gone as far as I can in English, then I, then I yield myself to the Holy Ghost and, and pray in, and pray in tongues. And pray in tongues, you see. And, and what happens is, is, is if you look at Romans, you can read, sake of time, I'm out of time, but Romans the 8th chapter, verses 26 and 27, you can see there that, that sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, so we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and He'll, He'll pray through us that situation that, that, that we don't know how to pray about, He'll pray that out on our behalf. Can you say amen to that? There's things coming in this nation, say it the Spirit of the Lord, that you'll be able to pray for only so far in English or in your understanding. So stir yourselves up now and pray in the Spirit, for things shall arise that will not be able to be handled in this nation only by praying in your understanding. But 
will be able to be handled by praying in the Spirit. So prepare yourselves now and be ready for when those things arise, you'll know. For you've heard the warning here today. And then begin to pray in English and pray as far as you can. But I tell you, there'll be things that will not be able to be handled in the understanding alone. So yield yourself in that hour to my spirit. And I'll pray through you. And as a result, things will be turned. It will create an avenue for the Heavenly Father to move. Things will be turned in favor of the saints in that hour, says the Spirit of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, see there, that was an example of tongues with interpretation. And you see it brought about edification, exhort it was well, it was exhortation is what it was. And some comfort in there. Well, praise God. We ought to teach not just 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 from the textbook, but there ought to be some precept and example too. I didn't plan that out. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. So what did he tell us? There's some things coming in this nation that will not be able to be handled totally by praying in our understanding. We're going to be ready to go as warriors. And those things will have to be prayed out in the spirit. And if we'll do that, you see, then there'll be, there'll be victory. Now, if we don't, then there won't. Can you say amen? I'm glad I came today just to get that. Now, see, before I ever got here, I knew the Spirit of God was going to want to do something like that, but I had no idea what it was or what it pertained to. So it takes faith. Can you say amen? It takes faith. Particularly, it takes faith to do that on social media because you don't know who's watching out there. But you know what? I don't need to be afraid of man or beast. Just flow with the Holy Ghost and not be afraid. Amen? That's what God's looking for in this hour is preachers that will stand and look in the camera, not afraid of man or beast, not there to entertain crowds or hype crowds or make them, make them chuckle, make them laugh, entertain them. But he's looking for some men of God, some women of God that will flow with the Holy Ghost and say, thus saith the Lord, not afraid of man or beast. Glory to God. And I intend to be such a person. Amen. And I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of tongues and interpretation. I'm not ashamed of, of the uh, healing miracles. And I'm not ashamed of any of those things. Praise God. Praise God. So let me, let me remember, every good preacher closes a few times. I know I've gone on long today. But that's all right. I'll close with a good story. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 13. <clears throat> And actually what I just gave out was, was if you want some technicalities, what I just gave out there uh, has to do more with the flow of that was not just a simple gift of prophet, prophecy. It had to do with a prophet's ministry, you see, getting you ready for something down the road. Now, let me close with this. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So now when you're praying in your prayer language, typically you're not going to interpret all of that. Not at all. Not even close. But I tell you what, there's times when the Holy Ghost will take hold with you. And, 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 and when that happens, be sensitive. And ask Him for the interpretation and He'll give it to you. Now listen to me carefully. Many years ago, I, was, uh, I felt I was supposed to go to Bible school. And I hadn't uh, got married to Diane yet. We were still in the kind of talking about getting married. We were kind of going to get married. And there were some, still some ifs, ands, and buts in it. And so um, I remember uh, I had gone down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I had made some arrangements down there. And when I got down there, now I've never really too much told you this story. I've mentioned it a time or two. You know how I tell you the story, how when Diane and I got down there, everything was all set up for us, you know, and, but a year before that, I don't talk about this too much. A year before that, uh, I went down there and I, and I walked in down there and God had everything set up for me. And I was going to go to Bible school by myself. And then we were talking about, well, we might get married, we might not. And, but I was going to go on to Bible school by myself. And then at the last minute, I just, I don't know, I just didn't have the peace with it. And I just didn't go. I said, I'm going to wait a year. 
And I tell you what, I caught all kinds of flack from my, the guy that was my pastor at that time. And, and I got all kinds of flack from other church members. You know, it's, it's hard enough fighting the devil. You don't need church members fighting against you too. But they made me feel like I'd missed God and that I was just, my life was over and I was feeling terrible. And, and, and it's true. God had everything set up for me and now I was going to just turn that down and stay here and, but, but I, I'd already signed my contract to teach for, for another year there at Valley Park School. And, and I needed to honor that. You know, we ought to honor our word, you know, and I didn't want to break that. And a long story short, I was up at Crestwood Mall when it was still there. Who'd ever thought that thing would be tore down? But I was up there, you know, and I was walking around there just praying in my understanding, praying in the spirit. I felt, I felt terrible. I just felt terrible. Because I thought, you know, I'd missed God and, and everything was over and everybody at the church was making me feel, not everybody, most of them making me feel like I was substandard. I'd missed God. And so I remember I came out of there uh, and uh, out of the mall and I got my car, my little Datsun hatchback, silver Datsun, Datsun, you know, now they're Nissan. But I got in that car and I drove up around. And I'm driving out in front of that mall, praying in the spirit. And just that quick, a message. You know how that message came out just a while ago? A message came, just me in the car. Message. This was what, you need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. He can help you. And it, I wasn't in church. I wasn't behind a pulpit. But I'm driving in the car and I'm praying in the spirit in other tongues. And, 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 and something changed. And I gave out a message in tongues. And I didn't know what I said. And I said, Lord, pray. That you might interpret. I said, Lord, what? I need to know that. When I was giving it out, I need to know that. And I said, Lord, I, let me interpret that. And he gave me the interpretation. He said this. He said, the year will come and go. He said, the year will come and go. And everything I did for you now, I'll do for you again. Just like I set everything up for you now, down in Tulsa, I'll set everything up for you again. Only in a year from now, when you go, it'll be better. <laughs> and a year came and went. He set everything up just like he had this last time, you know. But the thing that was better is Diane and I got married and she went with me. Glory to God. And that was better. Amen. I had somebody to do my cooking for me. Amen. Glory to God. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You know, it was, but wouldn't you say that's better, you know? No, she did more than my cooking. She was right there, always been a great blessing to me. I'm joking, honey. I want to eat lunch today, so I got to tell her that. But you see how the Spirit of God moved there? And he, he, he edified me, exhorted me, encouraged me. And it happened just like what he said. Isn't that wonderful? So I hope, if nothing else, this has, has stirred you to desire some spiritual gifts. I'm heartbroken. I'm just heartbroken. And the Spirit of God's heartbroken because I've watched Christians over the years doing this a long time. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about multitudes of other people will sit and listen to this kind of teaching and they won't ever do, they won't ever follow up on it and do anything to, to pursue these spiritual gifts. And they go through their lives defeated and defeated and defeated and defeated. I tell you what, let's all of us Stir ourselves up. Let's learn about these spiritual gifts. Let's flow with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And let's let him edify us, exhort us, comfort us, prepare us for things that lay ahead. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Poroma rendedene gande es cadestade. For so many years, saith the Spirit of the Lord in this nation, and particularly in these last, in this last decade, so many, if they even come to my house, so many come and they sit, and they sit and they can't wait for the minister to stop, and they look at their watch, and they'll even yawn, and they'll even act bored. But yes, saith the Spirit of the Lord, the time is coming in this nation. And it lay out in front, and the time is coming, where those who have become lackadaisical, those who have 
turned away from their Bibles. They've not turned away from me. They're still saved, all right, but they don't read their Bibles as they should. They don't frequent my house as they should. And when they do, they sit there and they can't wait for the minister to stop. But yes, saith the Lord, there's a time coming in this nation where people, my people, will be moved by the events in the land. They'll be moved by the events, yes, they'll be frightened by the events in the land. And they'll come back to my house and they'll bring their Bibles with them and they'll sit there and they'll not be looking at their watches waiting for the minister to stop, but they'll rather be looking at their Bibles hanging on every word, hoping that he goes on, hoping that he'll share something with them from the word of God by the spirit of God that will give them hope to make it another day. And that's what lay out ahead, saith the spirit of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Well, I didn't intend to say that either, but that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. If you're out there and you're watching and you've never been born again, I want you to repent of your sins. I want you to call on the name of the Lord and he'll save you. He'll keep you out of a devil's hell and make you ready for a God's holy heaven. And if you've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost, say, Jesus baptized me with the Holy Ghost. And I tell you what, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And then you get into the word of God and you find out about these gifts of the spirit. Bless God. Go to a church where they're flowing, not with a spirit of entertainment, but go where they're flowing with the Spirit of God and find out, learn some things about, about God and, and, and these gifts and let them begin to operate in your life and you'll be better off for it. And that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. God bless you and bye-bye.